Amy Goodman, host of Democracy Now!, your daily grassroots global unembedded news hour. Broadcasting here on WFHB, Mondays through Fridays at noon. Here on 91.3 and 98.1 FM, volunteer-powered, listener-supported, community radio for South Central Indiana. This is listener-supported WFHB, Bloomington, Bedford, Ellettsville, Nashville, Community Radio for South Central Indiana, online at WFHB.org. La Noche Latina en la WFHB es todos los viernes a partir de las 6 de la tarde, comenzando con Hola Bloomington, el único programa en español de noticias, variedades y asuntos de la comunidad hispanohablante del sur de Indiana, seguido por dos horas cargadas de los mejores éxitos latinos del momento y clásicos inolvidables de 7 a 9 p.m., en la hora latina, aquí en WFHB. Friday night is Latin night at WFHB, starting at 6 p.m. with Ola Bloomington, Bloomington's only Spanish-language news and public affairs program, followed by two hours of great Latin America music on Hora Latina from 7 to 9 p.m., only here on WFHB Community Radio. is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. multiple award-winning program celebrating over 11 years as Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting African Americans. Good evening, I'm Leela Randall, and in today's broadcast, you'll also hear our perspective on what's relevant in African American world of news and local events of interest, all in the next hour on Bring It On. First up in today's program, the City of Bloomington Safe and Civil City Program is a program within the Community and Family Resources Department, CFRD. CFRD can be described as a department working within the city that works to improve the quality of life for all residents, visitors, and guests. And the SCCP functions to improve public safety through education, address issues of equity, inclusion, and diversity among the residents in the city and in various city departments. Additionally, the Office of supervises Latino programs and outreach and serves as the city's li liaison for the Commission on the Status of Black Males and Sister Cities International. Also, coordination is provided for the city's Black History Month Planning Committee, which is a yearly celebration of African American life, culture, and history. A significant initiative pursued in 2016 included helping to launch the Downtown Safety, Civil, and Justice and Initiative. It is our pleasure to welcome Mr. Rafi Hassan, Director of the City of Bloomington's Office of Safe and Civil Cities. Rafi, welcome to Bring It On. Welcome, Thank welcome. you for having me. Thank you. Okay, and this is like uh, your, your second time 
on the show, right? Yep, second time. It's about a year ago, and you've been uh, pretty well acclimated to the job now. How do you like the job? Uh, it's exciting. Um, I love the challenges that come with my job. There are some days, however, that I'll admit the uh, the ride to work might be a little uh, slower than others, but uh, for the most part, it's been a, um, a wonderful year. You're not talking about the commute, are you? Not the commute. Uh, okay. You know, again, there's there's so many changes that have happened, um, you know, to this uh, this small town in uh, South Central Indiana that um, we've seen highs and lows. And so I, I'd like to say I've, I've been attracted to the the uh, the eye of the storm. So there's times that um, I wish that I could have. You know, perhaps stayed in bed, but uh, something compels me to get out there and try to make make sense and of what was, was he being poetic, philosophical, or, or both? Because he went uh, deep there for a minute. I, I'm just kind of wondering, what's the eye of the storm? The eye of the yeah. storm. It, it represents the, the 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 center of 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 all the action. Again, it's that that place where you're seeing um, both uh, a peace, um, but also chaos, and so. You realize that you can, you know, do things to obviously help bring peace to situations, but there's also a number of things that can just happen that are, are absolutely unpredictable. So, okay, well, you you wear several hats uh, in your position, so I'm going to let you start off by telling us, uh, you know, which one you want to talk about first, because uh, you know we eventually plan to ask you about everything you do, but why don't you go ahead and tell us about which one you would prefer to talk about well let's talk about uh what's taken um a lot of my position this year which is the downtown safety civility and justice um initiative i've been a a steering committee um it was back in um august august 10th a very hot day that uh, uh mayor john hamilton assembled uh members of the community together to um, um talk about things that were necessary uh, for the uh, uh, community to feel safe. And again, to begin several things that largely to, uh, uh, we wanted to look at to improve safety in the downtown area. So um, I've been working with uh, the Community Justice and Mediation Center um, and uh, as a steering committee member where we've uh, hosted several meetings with different uh, constituencies or stakeholder groups within the community, largely to uh, map the areas um, in the downtown area. And so um, some of those groups, again, represented, you know, from the business representatives, excuse me, from the business community, individuals ex experiencing homelessness, um, individuals who uh, panhandle, um, representatives from our courts, um, uh, government representatives, but non non government government representatives as well as non government mental representatives, uh, providers from healthcare institutions, um, community advocacy advocacy groups, um, neighborhood associations, and so um, just to you know not not get into the um, the all of the specifics of it, we we began a project that largely began kind of mapping our community concerns and. Um, we had a public de deliberation process December 3rd um, where um, the public was able to get input. And so 
Um, we're excited that a number of things are kind of coming out of it. But um, again, anyone will tell you there's much work to do. So we uh, interviewed Mayor Hamilton a few months ago, and and I think in addition to affordable housing, one of his uh, greater concerns was uh, panhandling. And you mentioned that uh, just a moment ago. So what type of uh, programs has the city implemented to address panhandling and, and the people who, uh, who uh, are out there doing that? Well, again, so panhandling is legal and panhandling is, co- uh, uh, is, is protected by an individual's uh, First Amendment rights. It's aggressive panhandling okay. that we're speaking uh that, that you're referring to and aggressive panhandling largely begins with um, or, or can be anything described as panhandling um, during uh, a certain hour. So, again, there's no no uh, panhandling. First of all, after uh, uh, after sunset, um, aggressive panhandling can be that type of panhandling to, that obstructs somebody, someone from um, a specific path. It's also those things that are considered um, um, asking for. Um, you know, anything in a, in a certain, in certain areas. So there's uh, near ATMs, near um, public transit areas. Um, uh, Again, aggressive panhandling largely gets into things that can, you know, um, obviously um, uh, that may potentially help, that may potentially be perceived as like unsafe for somebody. So again, if you're yelling, you know, something at somebody or, you know, um, you know, largely um, making demands and threats and so forth. Okay. And so um, I, I never usually see stuff like that with panhandlers or anything. They just, you know, have their little signs on the side. And but you, you, you got to get out. More some, sometimes they, you know, I, I think it's more unsafe for them because they're like right in the in the highway you know, or sitting off to the highway. I think it's I right. think it's more unsafe for them right. to be sitting on the side of the highway because you never know what's going to happen when somebody whips around that corner and that car starts spinning and stuff. So I'm really more I really like take it really easy when I see them. That, that's interesting. Yeah. So have there been any incidents involving a. Uh, uh, Panhandlers being injured, or well, I to to being a person that doesn't like to give out uh, misinformation, um, our police department would be, I, I think, okay. would be best qualified to answer that. But um, yeah, I, I think again, you can you can certainly see the concerns again. I, I think just with residents in general that are kind of close in those areas. And again, when when we're speaking of um, and I, because I, I, I think this is very important to emphasize, we're talking about safety in a downtown area. This is not necessarily about individuals who panhandling. Again, the focus is on behavior. So the focus is on, um, you know, students that may become, you know, intoxicated. The focus is on, um, you know, individuals who might be alums of the university that decide to come home and, you know, get a little spirited. But again, the focus, by the focus being behaviors, it qualifies every individual. Um, not just individuals that are, uh, uh, you know, panhandling mm-hmm. to be um, um, to be identified, you know, as, as individuals. So that, that okay. we're talking about at least. There were a couple incidents. I don't know if your group would address this on the B line and making it safe and somebody, you know, doing things that they he shouldn't have been doing. So what have you guys done about that? I saw something on the news about they caught one person. But I, I feel that 
when I talk to young ladies and even my daughter, I won't let her go on the beach trail because a lot of times, you know, they have their headphones on. They're really not paying attention to their surroundings. I know I live right by one. There's no lights there at night. And I think, you know, it was like late in the evening when this happened to a young lady. So what are you guys doing? Or I don't even know if you're group you know addresses something like this but if you're trying to make this the city safe i'm just wondering you know was this brought to your attention and what are you guys doing because like i said i I really don't like i mean i have it right by my house but i don't even want to go in there right and and there there are uh, uh i guess reporting outlets that the city has and this is something that the mayor has been you know uh, adamant about making sure that um if there's incidents where there's poor lighting, that those things become reported to the city. Because, mm-hmm. again, there's there's in general, an un, there's a belief that when we see something, somebody else will call or somebody else will do mm-hmm. something. And sometimes, you know, again, we have to, you know, as citizens, you know, uh, you know, largely react again I'm, as, as a person that, you know, works with um, law enforcement community and also the public. Oftentimes I'm at that place where I'm helping to um it's unfortunate, but I'm learning um, how to empower the public after an incident has happened. Mm-hmm. So we're often in situations where, um, you know, we've learned things um, and, and the police, they, they're, they're very good at talking about the conditions that oftentimes makes those things happen. Again, um, the conversations that I've had with the police department are those things that, um, you know, most people would call common sense but again mm-hmm. I, I this is not to be dismissive of anyone but mm-hmm. we largely begin to understand that you know um how we carry ourselves in mm-hmm. you know different areas oftentimes right um sometimes <clears throat> becomes you know uh, something that you know we forget so again doing doing very small things lock your doors making sure that you know um, um your your blinds are closed um you know, when you're not home, mm-hmm. um, if you are somebody that uses, you know, the beeline, um, you know, take a partner with you mm-hmm. again, um, you know, those very small things. And again, not doing things. And it's not saying that, um, you know, individuals are deserving of these right. things that happen, but oftentimes just exercising that caution. You, you have to, you have to make wise choices and not help yourself to become a victim. You know. I know, but sometimes you start off on the B trail yeah. and then it gets dark. Like, especially now it gets dark, like whoosh, dark, okay. you know. Yeah. So, you know, just like my neighbor, you know, she's riding on it. And I was like, what were you doing on the, you know, trail? And she was like, you know, it got dark really, really, really fast. This and is not something that we don't know, though. I mean, well, we, we know it's going to get dark. Yeah, but, anyway. but, you know, you know, I'm just anyway, asking what he um, did. What he's talking about that. <laughs> it's, yeah. Well, you can tell William doesn't go on the trail. <laughs> well, well you know again if so safety safety means something mm-hmm. d- is different for different groups right, so right. obviously the concerns that women have um you know are, are not necessarily the concerns that they see a man with locks mm-hmm. as i like I, I feel no fears when i walk um downtown mm-hmm. nobody asked me for anything uh-huh. um but again, I know of people who've been in situations where those things have happened. So I think it's important to make sure we're hearing everybody's experiences. But again, that you know, we're we're focusing again on uh, making sure that uh, you know we're promoting message and we're giving information that helps empower residents. Well, let, let me say this, and then, then we're going to move on to the mm-hmm. next subject. Uh, when I think about public safety, my mind immediately jumps to law enforcement. 
but there's a separation between what you do and what law enforcement yes. does. You address it, the same issue, through policy uh, and, and along with the mayor's office. Is that correct? Well, we can say, we can <clears throat> say policy, but if, if— And programs. Yeah, exactly. Again, we, we, we all know that the old adage about knowledge being power, I think that's— And, and in a community where um, you have uh, very complex dynamics, you have uh, individuals here— uh, that are here that are part of the university, some that, you know, have come to work, um, you know, at, at uh, Crane, others who, uh, you know, work with Cook Pharmaca, some people that come from, you know, different regions, um, not only of the country, but of the world. And so part of it is yeah. how how can we get information, you know, to individuals to help them, you know, navigate and negotiate um, government? Again, it's very small things. I think, um, you know, we're coming up on the winter season. And so we're, we'll put out information about making sure, you know, you've had the proper provisions when, when you're driving around the city and some of the things. Cause then there's a lot of areas that have hills. And so um, when it comes to, you know, driving and making sure that you don't get stuck and, you know, listening to, you know, weather advisories and so forth. And so, again, safety not only is, is a very broad thing. We talk about environment, personal safety, you know, neighborhood safety and some other things. And so my office largely works within that within that bridge. Again, I'm not a first responder like the police. Um, oftentimes the situations where, you know, I'm looking at things and I'm figuring out what takeaways or, you know, what things can, you know, we learn, um, you know, from the community. And again, these messages may become extremely mundane and repetitive, but often you're repeating them to a different, you know, group. And then there's ways that those groups communicate with each other. Some people still are not necessarily tech, tech savvy. Um, so again, word of mouth, some groups, you know, you can tweet and, you know, put information out online and they, and, and, and they, you know, for the most part, um, pick up information that way. So again, I work within that, that space. I'm not a a person that writes policy, but again, certainly being at a place where, um, we're figuring out how we can get information, uh, from government to people and, taking the information from uh, the people, certainly, to impact some of the programs and uh, services that we provide. So the gathering that you had with the mayor down at the, at the circle, I guess I could call it the circle or the square, what takeaways did you come from that group? Because my daughter was there. She attended. I wasn't there. But could you tell oh, me? Oh, your daughter was a part of one of the focus groups? Well, not the focus group, but I know when the when the mayor, I think we're talking about the same thing when the mayor got together and they were talking about. Oh, the, you're talking about this press conference, right, August 10th. Right. Yeah, I, I think I think the biggest thing um, that I got from it, and I, I have to stick with something that he says that kind of um, I'm reminded of and he points to, and that is, you know, we're trying stuff. Not everything is going to be, um, you know, a, necessarily a great idea. Um, you know, we're we're moving in a direction where, um, you know, we're we're not being afraid to kind of step out and say, um, you know, we're 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 going to look at some things. Uh, this might not work. That may work. So I got a sense that there's uh, what academics, I guess, call praxis, and that is, you know, taking something, you know, trying to machine it. If it doesn't fit, go back. You machine it, mm-hmm. and so you you get a sense that, uh, you know, that it'll it'll 
you know, I'm, I'm confident that something will come out of this. I'm not sure if I'll be around when it happens. Okay. I could be in the grave. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but uh, but I'm confident that we're moving in a direction where, um, you know, Bloomington is writing its own narrative about this. And I think that's what's important. Like, it, you know, we have to we have to be careful about how much you allow national things to kind of permeate your space. Mm-hmm. Um, and control how you write your own story. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I'm confident that that the city and the number of, of advocates that we have in it um, and those people that are committed to seeing some change, I'm, 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 I feel optimistic that something will come out of it. Okay. You had a uh, town hall scheduled with law enforcement here a couple of weeks ago, a week ago, yeah. but uh, it was abruptly canceled. Yeah. Have you rescheduled that? No, and and the plan is to um, push community conversation with law enforcement into 2017. Um, okay. Again, the, the the program started, um, you know, uh, as something that my predecessor and, and current director of the Community and Family Resources Department, Beverly Callender Anderson, um, began um, as after a series of conversations between the NAACP president and chief of police, and again, it was something that. You know, the community caught on to. We think it's obviously important to make yeah, sure that it was a hit. Right. Police and community are talking. Um, the good thing has come out of it is that there's been so many. Um, there's been so many conversations that have happened. So people have called and they've kept the attention, you know, on the police. Um, and the police in turn has worked um, with the community. I've seen um, Bloomington Police Department do things that. Um, I've just I've simply never seen before. Again, I'm coming from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and uh, Sheriff David Clark has a different perspective on some things. Um, don't don't get me started. <laughs> well, uh, you know, again, he you know he certainly um, he's, he's very interesting. Uh, but uh, again, knowing you know knowing uh, and seeing just the the contrast. Um, you know, I know, uh, uh, you know, Chief Decoff has been, you know, willing to stand in there, mm-hmm. you know, and he's heard some things that, you know, I know a lot of people probably wouldn't necessarily stay around for. Like I said, mm-hmm. I don't think Sheriff Tavor Clark would, but, uh, you know, you so, you know, there's some yeah. things, again, that can happen. And so Sheriff things aren't Clark perfect. arrest everybody. <laughs> well, um, okay. we're not here to talk about him. Okay. Well, <laughs> actually, I said we were going to move on, but... Okay. Uh, I was just going to ask a little question. You've been there for a year now. Yeah. Okay. And what are some of the changes that you've seen in this year? And what have you put forth? What, what some of the changes that, that you've wanted to do um, that are now um, implemented or going to be in the future? Well, information is always, um, you know, something that, um, you know, will, will, I guess, spur change. And what I'm saying is being a person that, tries to help facilitate um, uh, information to you know members of the public um, certainly from a from an empowerment um, from, from a place of empowerment things that kind of improve the quality of life are, are just that's that's forever changing and so I think um, so many things have just sped up mm-hmm. uh, just just in terms of you know how how you think about communities getting information and then you know, kind of moving on, you know, those things to the next. I think certainly we can look at, um, you know, the election 
um, those events leading up to the election. Not now we're looking at, you know, turn into a, um, a, you know, Trump presidency. And again, how different communities largely, um, you know, that are very concerned and, and very legitimately concerned about some things. And so I think part of it is, you know, um, how I can or how I have been able to um, um, not only inform people, but get them to say, hey, beyond just, you know, talking about it, I, I, you know, we need your help. And so um, I think being a person that uh, I can say now understands my role, understands where, you know, gov- where government's place is, when government needs to be at the table, mm-hmm. when government needs to lead on things sometimes. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, again, I can, I can, I guess, if there's anything I could pinpoint, it would be, um, you know, sp- I guess specifically with how, you know, we're getting information, you know, th- how we're getting information to people okay. and how we're creating platforms for people to be able to do some of the things that they they need mm-hmm. they need and they want to see in their community. So you've already begun planning on uh, Black History Month. Yes, right? yes. How but, is that shaping up? Uh, right now, so to... So first, I want to make sure that everybody, all of our listeners, know and understand February 25th is the it's the throwdown. But at the same time, it's a respectable throwdown. So, um, you know, we want everybody to come out Hilton Garden in again. Let this let this be something that uh, is, is is beautiful. I always like to see, uh, you know, people um, in their finest attire. Uh, you know, attending these events and then to, to celebrate some of the um, the people um, and things that have happened, um, not only in 2016, but certainly in our past that have just, uh, um, you know, we, we, we like to acknowledge. So, again, uh, the theme of Black History Month this year is Black Herstory Month, illuminating the gifts of black women. And so uh, begin with the kickoff celebration that happened Thursday, February 2nd. Um, we have the uh, Black History Month essay contest. We have information out now um, at all the schools. I'll leave some here. Um, and, you know, we will host a reception on, I can't remember what date specifically. I think it's the 21st. Nope. I can't, uh, it, it's, it's on a Tuesday. Okay. So I'll, I'll make sure I have that information in front of me the next time. But. And uh, for our listening audience, we are speaking with Mr. Rafi Hassan, director of the city of Bloomington's Office of Safe and Civil Cities. Sorry to have to jump in there like that. Please. No, station promo. (laughs) Right. Yeah, absolutely necessary. And I tend to be uh, verbose. So Um, but again, just, um, you know, I'm, I'm particularly proud of, you know, the thing that we selected this year, Um, I think. You know, the historian in me is always, um, you know, interested in empowering people with information. If it makes them awkward, uncomfortable or not. And again, just knowing and understanding that, uh, you know, black women have been at the forefront of change um, always. But, you know, recognizing that oftentimes their their work, deeds and actions, you know, haven't haven't necessarily been celebrated. So. Um, I've been a benefactor of some, you know, very, very exceptional women in this community. The Audrey McCluskey's, Diane Hanks's, mm-hmm. the Beverly Calendar Andersons, mm-hmm. the uh, Delcy Bodies, uh, certainly 
Liz Mitchells and so, Dr. So what's, so what's the thing? Is it like the celebration of yeah, uh, black beautiful herstory, black women black, in Black Herstory <laughs> Month, illuminating oh, the gifts of black women. Okay, yes, okay. yes. So... And of yes. course, you apologize to any of the women that you did not name. Oh, who? Yeah, I could, I could go on because you know you're going to hear about that. I could, I could go on. So, so yeah, so yeah, to Pastor Rochelle Lafoon, to Pastor Wanda Hosea, my wife. Because you know, I, I just think that's good, especially since the movie is coming up about the women yeah. being astronauts. Hidden figures. And stuff. So, yep. well, not astronauts, but were the ones yeah. that actually put the men and had to do the calculations. So, I think that's just fitting that it yeah. just will you know, continue on. So yeah. that's a yeah. good thing. It's, it's y'all time honestly yeah black what they say black girl you magic are also involved with the commission on the status of black males. yes what about yeah. uh updates trends or patterns in bloomington well yeah in general um I'm, I'm proud of the commission the work that the commission has done commission is uh what is this 2016 so the commission will be it started in in, in 2011 so they're just again a, a, they'll be what, seven years old um, and in that short time, we've benefited from um, a, a group of people who really have a strong sense of advocacy. So in terms of just, you know, some of the things that they're doing, um, we've hosted a, uh, a, a open house, uh, a workshop, open, or uh, open a resource, a career, a career fair, a career open house fair, excuse me, you know, having problems with my words right now, but they're working a lot very closely with uh, the Banneker Community Center. Right now we are um, um, definitely looking to identify a lot of, you know, a lot of talent within the community. So um, contact the commission. Let's let's get a talent inventory going to help identify some of the issues, uh, you know, within our community. And so, um, and soon I know they'll be announcing their, the, the outstanding black male leader of tomorrow last year or excuse me in 2016 that award was given to Lawrence Julius Hanks and uh, uh, Dexter Griffin so again for 2017 we'll be identifying uh, uh, two uh, males or men in our community so look for the award to come out sometime soon. Yeah, we got less than a minute left. Can you tell us anything about the Latino Outreach Program? Yes, Latino Outreach um, has done a number of just exceptional things. Right now they're in the middle of a holiday gift giveaway, and we uh, have been so, we have benefited from the generosity of so many people in the community. Um, Our office right now is quite literally, and I mean this, filled with gifts um, for children. Um, We're going to pick up uh, uh, more uh, you know, gifts from children from the police department tomorrow. So there there are a number of things that um, I could talk about with a, a Latino outreach going back to Fiesta del Otoño. Um, they obviously have Hola Bloomington, um, you know, here at WFHB on Fridays. And so, um, yeah, so many exceptional things. And again, just knowing that those members of our Latino community will require our support um, in the next coming year, again, a lot of issues related to immigration were um, a big part of the conversation in the presidential election. You know, um, you know, we have to support, you know, black where I come from, black and brown got down. So, you know, let's make sure we support. So. OK, we want to thank Rafi Hassan, director of City of Bloomington, Office of Safe and Civil Cities, for joining us to share updates from the year 2016 and a look ahead at initiatives planned for 2017. To contact him, call, do you want your number out there? 
349-3559 or email him at h-a-s-a-n-r at bloomington.in.gov. Bring It On has an open submission policy, so if you have an idea for this program, we would like to hear it. <clears throat> Send your emails directly to our volunteer staff. The address is bringiton at wfhb.org. We want to make sure we share anything and everything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. That email address, once again, bringiton at wfhb.org. Support for WFHB comes from the Uptown Cafe, a Bloomington landmark since 1976, serving Cajun Creole and home cooking specials every Tuesday and Wednesday evening. Featuring a full bar serving fresh handcrafted cocktails, the Uptown Cafe is located in downtown Bloomington. More information is available online at the-uptown.com.
You just heard Soul Holidays by the Sounds of Blackness. This is Bring It On, the People's Forum for Black Culture in South Central Indiana and beyond. Are you a tweeter? You're invited to follow the WFHB News Twitter account. This is a great way to get breaking news and updates on what's going on behind the scenes and on the air with WFHB News. Go to Twitter.com and search for WFHB News. Or you can always visit WFHB's news website at WFHB.org slash news. Bring It On is Indiana's only public affairs program dedicated to the African-American community here on WFHB. 91.3 FM and live on the web at WFHB.org. It's time now to give you the latest perspective on the people, news, and issues affecting the black community for Bring It On. I'm Leela Randall. I'm William Hosea. And what's up first? Blacks who didn't vote were almost as good as those who voted. So says Donald J. Trump. From News One and the Washington Post, we read that as Inauguration Day nears, President-elect Donald Trump is visiting states where Republicans outvoted Democrats to secure his presidential win as a way to thank voters. During a stop in Grand Rapids, Michigan on Friday, Trump also thanked African Americans for coming through big league on Election Day, reports the Washington Post. Trump said during remarks at the Deltaplex that blacks who stayed home were almost as good as those who voted, the report notes. The African-American community was great to us, he said. They came through big league, big league. And frankly, if they had any doubt, they didn't vote. And that was almost as good because a lot of people didn't show up because they felt good about me. Although exit polls show that Hillary Clinton won the black vote by a landslide, garnering the support of 89% of African-American voters compared to Trump's 8%, it still wasn't enough for her to be elected president due to the low voter turnout. Trump also thanked Latinos and women, groups he derided on the campaign trail, for casting their votes for him. Michigan was one of the unexpected states where Trump triumphed over Clinton, the Post writes, People are paying attention to you now, he said. These people are talking about you every night. They never talked about you. They care about you now. Sometimes I don't have a clue what he's talking about. <laughs> Bill Cosby. I haven't talked about him in a while. You know? yeah. Bill Cosby seeks plea to avoid prison. The 79-year-old comedian hopes to negotiate no jail time in his sexual assault case given his age and health. You know what? I'll read this story, but if Bill would have came out and apologized to everybody, we wouldn't even be having this. Do you think? That's what no, I, I think we would have. I mean, but I think he, he's just never admitted it, so people are just really, really, really forcing the issue. Here we go. From News One, we read that disgraced comedian, comedian Bill Cosby hopes to cop a plea deal that will allow him to avoid jail time, according to the New York Post. Cosby reportedly plans to ask his attorneys to seek a plea deal to avoid a trial, according to a source who spoke with the paper. Cosby admitted in a 2005 civil lawsuit to giving women drugs before sex, and a Pennsylvania judge ruled his words admissible in a criminal trial slated to begin in June. In that trial, Cosby has been charged with three counts of felony aggravated indecent assault in a 2004 incident involving a former temp 
Temple University student. People Magazine reports that each count carries a prison sentence of up to 10 years. A source reportedly told the New York Tab that the Cosby family, including wife Camille, believes Cosby would not fare well in a trial and that he should be eligible for a sentence of just probation so that he will not die in prison. Cosby is now 79 years old and reportedly legally blind. They are hoping that the district attorney will feel as though he's won with a plea deal, and they're thinking that the DA will consider Cosby's age, his medical condition, the fact that he's paid the victims on the case millions, and the fact that his career is over, the source said. A spokesperson for the Montgomery County, Pennsylvania District Attorney's Office declined to comment on a possible deal. Though he has been accused of drugging and raping more than 50 women going back to the 1960s, Cosby always has maintained his innocence. See, that's the problem. That's the problem. What's the problem? That he keeps saying that he's innocent. Well, just for the record, his career was over anyway. I know, but but you know what? It, all of a sudden, when he, this case came up, he became blind. He started walking with a cane. Did you notice that? No, I didn't. I did. Because he, he was walking fine, and he was getting ready to go on a tour. And then all of a sudden, he had a cane. And then he couldn't see. And then all this other stuff. And I'm like, whatever, dude. Dylan Roof's <laughs> videotaped confession stuns the courtroom. From NBC News, we read that Dylan Roof began his videotaped confession with 11 chilling words. I went to that church in Charleston and I did it. And then for the next two or three hours, the self-declared white supremacist described to the FBI how he gunned down nine black worshipers last year at a historic South Carolina church in a bid to spark a race war. What I did is still minuscule to what they're doing to white people every day, Roof insisted at one point. The recording of Roof was played Friday for the jurors weighing the fate of the 22-year-old for the first time at his federal death penalty trial. In the video, FBI agents could be seen reading Roof his rights and making sure he understood that he was giving a statement without a lawyer present. Roof did not appear to be under the influence of anything when he made the statement following his arrest on June 18, 2015 in Shelby, North Carolina. FBI investigator Michael Stansbury testified. And Roof was not sure how many people he killed at the Emanuel AME Church. Five, not really sure, he said, maybe four. When asked if he said anything to the victims, Roof answered, I didn't say anything to them before. It was very fast, he said on the video. In a matter-of-fact tone, Roof told the FBI he researched his target and went on the killing spree because blacks were raping white women. I do consider myself a white supremacist, he admitted on the footage. Roof also said he was in absolute awe that there were no police outside the church when he came out. He said he would have killed himself if there were. Didn't he try to... Interesting. Did, did, he, did his um, defense attorney try to say that he was not like up there enough to go in? So, you know, so he was committed that he was not having all his faculties so he could like stand trial was that um i don't know okay one more story television academy appoints first black chairman News One reports that according to the huffington post and variety magazine the television academy appointed um hyam screech washington as ceo and chairman he is the first african-american to hold a role in the academy's 70-year history the report says washington who was appointed in november has won several emmy awards for his work as an executive producer for the show 
um, Amazing Race on CBS. I like that show. Additionally, he owns a production company, Screechers Picks, and worked at Walt Disney Studios. Washington has also served as a producer for the MTV Video Music Awards, the ESPYs, and the 39th Emmy Awards, notes the Huffington Post. Washington served a five-year term as a governor for the Television Academy's Producers Division prior to taking on this position. I am honored to have been selected to lead the Academy and look forward to serving your, our membership alongside the Governor's Executive Committee, Foundation, and staff, Washington told Variety. This is a time of considerable change for our industry, and I am deeply committed to ensure that the Academy is at the forefront as we move for, towards a more inclusive future. His two-term will begin in January on January 1st. The appointment is one of the many efforts to diversify the ranks of entertainment. In June, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences invited 683 new members to join, most of them who were people of color and women. That was a look at African-American headline news from around the world for this week. Tune in again next week for the latest news on and for the African-American community. We want to know what you think of current black issues. Send your comments to bring it on at wfhb.org for bring it on. I'm Leila Randall. I'm William Hosea. You're listening to Bring It On, Indiana's only public affairs program dedicated to the African-American community here on WFHB 91.3 FM on your radio and live on the web at WFHB.org. Support for WFHB comes from CATS, Community Access Television Services. CATS is Bloomington's source for live local government meetings and community events. Now available online at CatsTV.net and optimized for iPads, tablets, and smartphones. Cats celebrating 43 years of public access television, empowering you to think locally and watch globally at CatsTV.net. How much fun it's gonna be together This Christmas The fireside's blazing bright We're caroling through the night And this Christmas Will be a very special Christmas For me and cards are here My world is filled with cheer and you This Christmas And as I look around Your eyes outshine the town they do This Christmas Fireside's blazing bright We're caroling through the night
You just heard the seasonal classic, This Christmas, by the late Donny Hathaway. It's time to bring you the events of interest in the black community. For Bring It On, I'm William Hosea. And I'm Leela Randall. The Next Generation Hoosier Educator Scholarship applications are available. The Indiana Commission for Higher Education is accepting applications for Next Generation Hoosier Educator Scholarship at learnmoreindiana.org forward slash nextteacher. High-achieving Hoosier students interested in teaching must be nominated by a teacher or school administrator and submit a student application by 31 December. The scholarship provides up to $7,500 each year of college for students who commit to teaching in Indiana for five years after earning their degrees. To qualify for the scholarship, students must either graduate in the highest 20% of their high school class or earn a score in the top 20th percentile on the SET or ACT. To continue earning the scholarship in college, students must earn a 3.0 cumulative GPA and complete at least 30 credit hours per year. Current college students are also eligible for the scholarship, but priority will be given to high school students. Visit learnmoreindiana.org forward slash next teacher for more information and to apply. Those, those rules are kind of a little strict, I think. Um, Mayor John Hamilton invites the community to attend the 2017 City of Bloomington Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Birthday Celebration. This begins Monday, January 16th in the Berkshire Chumley Theater at 114 East Kirkwood Avenue. The celebration begins with a reception at 6 p.m. followed by the program at 7. The 7 p.m. event will include remarks by Hamilton, members of the MLK Commission, and others. The theme is And Justice for All. Featuring keynote speaker Adam Foss, Assistant Director district attorney in the juvenile division of Suffolk County in Boston, Massachusetts. Musical performance will include the Indiana University African American Choral Ensemble directed by Dr. Raymond Weiss. There will be a short play by Stages of Bloomington. Volunteers, volunteers who participated in A Day On, Not A Day Off will be recognized, and the winner of the Commission's Legacy Award will be announced. Attendees also will be offered the opportunity to take the 40 Days of Peace Pledge. The reception at 6 p.m. will feature light refreshments. Both the formal program and reception are free and open to the public. The 2017 Black History Month Planning Committee wants you to support the 2017 celebration. The theme this year is Black Her Story Month, illuminating the gifts of black women. If you have an event or question regarding the 2017 Black History Month, contact Rafi Hassan II, director of the Safe and Civil City Program at 812-349-3559 or by email at hassanr, that's H-A-S-A-N-R, at bloomington.in.gov. Announcing our Day On, Not a Day Off Service Project grant recipients, City of Bloomington's Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Commission will be awarding 
grants to local organizations for a day on, not a day off, volunteer service projects. All funds are being awarded to local groups to help them acquire the materials and supply. Volunteers will be used during the 2017 days of service and subsequent 40 days of peace. The groups receiving funds are included in the table below. Additional volunteer service projects that did not request funding also will be taking place. For more information and a list of service projects, please visit http://forward/forward/bloomington.in.gov/mlk. Slash slash Last call for MLK Legacy Award nominations. The Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Legacy Award recognizes and affirms those who have made significant and tangible contributions in the areas of race relations justice and human rights. The award is presented annually at the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. birthday celebration to the Monroe County resident, business, or advocacy group selected by the City of Bloomington MLK Jr. Birthday Commission. The criteria is the nominee has been personally or corporately involved in making tangible, visible, visible and meaningful contributions to the advancement of race relations, justice, and or human rights causes. The nominee must have been a Monroe County resident business or advocacy group for at least one year. Nominations may be made online. The, de the deadline for nominations is January 6, 2017. For more information, contact MLK Commission Staff Liaison Michael Shermis at mlk at bloomington.in.gov or 812-349-3471. And on that note, if you have an event or happening the African American community should know about, please send that info directly to our Bring It On staff. Or if you want additional information about a calendar item that you've heard tonight, you can contact us by writing to bringiton at wfhb.org. We want to thank Rafi Hassan, Director of the City of Bloomington's Office of Safe and Civil Cities, for joining us to share updates from the year 2016 and a look ahead at initiatives planned for 2017. To contact him, call 812-349-3559 or email him at hasanr at bloomington.in.gov. Our show's executive producer is Clarence Boone with help from WFHB News Department Director Joe Crawford. Our news editor is Michael Nolan. Tonight's board engineer was Anya Jenkins. Our original theme music was created by Jamil Effiam with additional background tracks by David Baker. For WFHB, I'm William Hosea. And I'm Leela Randall. Be sure to tune in next Monday, December 19th at 6 p.m. for another edition of Bring It On right here on your community radio station, WFHB. You've been listening to Bring It On, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.